kicking off episode 156 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Alaska. I thought it was funny. You'll find out why later. It's by the band Pirato Ketchup. It's from their EP Speed Surfer. You can find them over at piratoketchup.bandcamp.com or follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. That is the website for the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I want to welcome you to the show. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'm your writer, producer, and host, and I'm excited because we are still talking about the 1959, and I'm going to say it, classic film, The Killer Shrews, with Scott Morris, my co-host over at 1951 Down Place, and one of the high muckety-mucks over at Disney Indiana. He slummed it with me with this low-budget movie that, well, I don't know if slumming is really the right word, because, well, there is a sequel, and that one's not so... Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. First, I want to tell you about MonsterKidRadio.net. This is where you can find everything you need to know about the podcast. When you're not listening to an episode, this is our portal into the web. This is where you're going to find links to our, well, it hasn't been updated in a while, but our YouTube channel and our Live 365 internet radio station, which has been updated recently. Live365.com is a free internet radio service. You can listen to all kinds of music. You can listen to the Monster Kid radio station over there and hear nothing but music and sounds from classic monster movies from the 30s to the 60s with the occasional outlier and there's also a few trailers here and there it's a lot of fun i hope you guys and gals dig it if you go check that out you can also find a link to our facebook group on our website this is going to take you to where people are having conversations between shows we also have a facebook page there's not a link to that on our website but if you're a facebook user well you know how to find it also on our website is a link to our patreon page where you can go and support monster kid radio like Joseph Perry. He's a writer over at HorrorNews.net, and he's one of our patrons. By being one of our patrons, he's entitled to certain rewards, like receiving a special monthly newsletter, which you can get when you become a patron. Go check out Patreon.com and look at Monster Kid Radio, or again, follow the link in the show notes, and you'll learn what kind of rewards you can get by supporting the show. This show, however, the podcast, will always be free. You'll always be able to hear it twice a week here at MonsterKidRadio.net iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever other app you use to subscribe to and listen to podcasts. You know, I haven't mentioned our contact information yet. Our email address, it's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And Chris Franklin from the Supermates podcast wrote in with this. Hi, Derek. Playing catch-up here. Congrats on the launch of your Creature Cast. I'll admit, I only saw the original Creature film all the way through as an adult just a few years ago, but... I love it. You guys nailed some of the things I love about the film, other than Julie Adams, including my favorite thing about the Gill Man, his design. There's a reason his figure is always the most popular amongst any universal monster toy line. That design is perfection. Can't wait to hear more Creature Talk, especially that interview with Miss Adams. On to the Killer Shrews. I haven't seen this flick, but I knew James Best was a good actor. He was in several Twilight Zone episodes, including the darkly humorous The Last Rites of Jeff Myrtlebank. He's a bit Roscoe-like there, but not nearly as dim-witted. Tying into your thoughts on Thorne being a rockabilly type, well, Best played an aspiring guitar hero on two episodes of The Andy Griffith Show. Not sure if Best could really play, but someone else thought he fit that mold, obviously, as well. Nice hearing Scott on the show, as always. Big fan of 1951 Down Place and Disney Indiana. So always great to hear him stop by, Chris. So again, look up the Supermates podcast. He and his wife, Cindy, tackle all kinds of comic book and geek culture topics. It's a fun show. It's a great show. And if you want to go back into their archives, their October episodes were amazing. 
Uh, Chris, thank you for the kind words about the Creature Cast. That was a lot of fun to do, and I can't wait to bring the next one to you. As far as the Rockabilly Thorn in the Killer Shrews, yeah, I can't remember if I said it in the last conversation or I say it in this bit of the conversation. I would be really surprised if there wasn't a guitar somewhere on Thorn's boat. Just he has that vibe. He has that feel. Now, there is some music that appears in the sequel, Return of the Killer Shrews, which Scott and I do talk about as well. If you remember in the last episode, I explained that I started to watch it and then had to stop. It was just, well, let's just say it's not my cup of tea. Scott, however, because he's a sick man and literally he was sick, he was hopped up on Dayquil and he watched the entire thing. And there's some music in that, some beach type music that I really really wanted to get permission to play here on the show. Unfortunately, they never returned my emails. However, that doesn't mean that you can't listen to the music yourself. Scott's going to talk a little bit about that at the end of our conversation, and I'll come back on and tell you where you can find it yourself online. Or again, skip ahead, monsterkidradio.net. All the links are right there. You know, I have a voicemail waiting as well. This voicemail came in from Stephen D. Sullivan. He called us and left us a voicemail at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. I'm going to play that after the rest of the conversation about The Killer Shrews and its sequel, The Return of the Killer Shrews, with Scott Morris. Let's hit it. Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Santa sets up a fantastic automatic toy factory on Mars. The Martian leader battles the wicked Bodar in a desperate effort to save Santa, the wise man of Mars. 900 years old. The Battle of the Toys, when Martian kids and Earth kids join Santa to battle the bad guys of Mars. For real space-age fun, you'll be out of this world when Santa Claus conquers the Martians. White Zombie, a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, drive Through Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at sdsullivan.com. Looks like a small rat. Shrews as small as rats. 
perfect for scientific experiments until they began to grow and grow into things. They must eat three times their own weight in food every 24 hours or starve. There are two or three hundred giant shrews out there. Monsters weighing between 50 and 100 pounds. That's as big as a full-grown wolf. Blood-curdling, horrifyingly poisonous monsters. But the livestock, the shrews got into the barn. The wildest of flesh eaters, threatening all mankind. Your flesh will crawl with fear at their nearness. The shrews were out there. I couldn't take a chance. I want to give the setup, and I, and I want to try to remember what I gave you and give this to the listeners and see what they would think and what they would do. So the movie's about them going back to the island. Thorne's taking another couple of people back to the island off the coast of Texas because they're involved in a television show program. They get to the island, and Thorne and his first mate are trying to get paid, but you know they got to get with the producer and all that. So they eventually end up where they're shooting a scene or two for the film. And John Schneider's in the film. John Schneider's the big actor in the movie. What's his name? Johnny Reno. Johnny Reno. And at first I thought it was like a reality show, like when they were talking about it on the boat, when Thorne's scoping out the chick in the bikini. But it feels more like, not like a reality competition show, but more like a Steve Irwin-ish kind of show. I don't know. That's exactly what it is. Okay. So there's this scene they're trying to shoot, and they couldn't afford to bring a goat to the island because of budget. So instead, they get this PA guy, and they put him in a goat costume. And what's the PA guy's name? I don't remember. Derek. Oh, God. <laughs> so they put Derek in a, ghost co- a goat costume. Oh, boy. This could be why you turned it off. <laughs> Maybe. I don't remember. I mean, I blocked it out. The scene is that a snake, a poisonous snake, is going to bite the goat, and Johnny Reno is going to stop it? Yes. Or deal with the snake? They can't afford a goat, so they put a dude in a goat costume. They drug the snake so that the, it's a real dangerous snake, but they drug it and attach a rope to it to drag it through the underbrush. Yeah. And they didn't drug the snake enough, and it comes to and bites Derek, the PA, in the goat costume on the ass. And John Schneider, everybody's screaming, and John Schneider says, We're going to need a bigger goat. And that's when I stopped. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger goat. So, so you hadn't even seen the shrews yet, had you? Well, no, because all oh, that's true. That the, the there very is beginning, yeah, the shrews. Because there is one callback to the film, a real connection here. Because this film, the original film, the Killer Shrews, had been colorized by Legend Films, and there is a shot or two from the original film in color at the very beginning of the movie. They recreate Rook's fate. Rook getting killed from the first film. So they have Rook running around on the island. And this time he does get in a slightly bigger tree and he gets killed by CG shrews. And as he's screaming, you do see a shot of Thorn from the original film, like stepping out on the porch, listening for his buddy screaming. I don't know, but there's like this weird cut between shot on digital video, shot on low budget film, <laughs> back and forth. So I did see the shrews and they are very CG. Yeah, the, the shrews... 
I think they only have two points of articulation on their legs. <laughs> and they, like, both front legs move in unison, like they're hooked together. And so the, the, it's really, really bad CG. <laughs> it really is. It really, really is. So what did I miss by stopping the movie at the 15-minute, 56-second mark? Well, Thorne isn't the only character that returns from the first film. Different actor, but uh, Jerry Farrell returns. Now, at the end of Killer Shrews, Jerry wouldn't go off with Thorne. He's the one that he climbs up on top of the building with the shotgun. Which, again, something I wanted to bring up, actually, is because that just seemed very like, you're not going to come with us? Fine, screw you, buddy. And they just leave him. Yes. And then there's no resolution to that. So apparently he survived. In the end of the movie, don't the Shrews attack him when he goes running after... Thorn. I thought so. Yeah. But then the end of the movie, they also say, you know, they're going to kill each other off and that's it. The end. No more shrews. Well, Jerry Farrell does survive. Who plays Jerry this time? Bruce Davidson. <laughs> now, if you don't recognize the name, if you've seen the original X-Men film, he's the senator. Didn't he used to be like a serious actor? Yes. What happened? Uh, well, he made Knight Rider a series in 2008. <laughs> He's actually in Knight Rider continuity. He's the man that invented Kit and the new, the Knight Industries 2000 and 3000, which was in the new movie. Really? Yes, he's the inventor. <laughs> okay. But when I, <laughs> but most people will know him more from the yeah, X-Men. Yeah, he's a senator, Senator Kelly, Senator right? Senator Kelly in the X-Men. Yeah. Yep. Well, he plays Jerry Farrell, and Jerry has learned after living on this island for so many years, since the 50s, how to control the shrews by playing this slide whistle flute type thing. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> he can command the shrews to attack or to retreat. And he's living in a cave on the island that at one point, it's, it's, it's a cave with a door because supposedly it was an ammunition depot during the war, whatever war happened, Spanish-American war. I, I don't know what war happened off the coast of Texas, but... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> but he's living in there. He's he's uh, got the shrews <laughs> under his control. And when he sees uh, Thorne, he obviously, he's he's upset because in his mind, Thorne took Anne away from him because he was in love with Anne. Right. So now he's got a chance to get his revenge on Thorne. The whole movie, basically the shrews, they pick off the film crew one by one, John Schneider gets it pretty early on, and different characters get it. The producer or the director, he actually uses uh, the P.A. Derek again as bait at one point to attract the what? shrews. What is that? <laughs> Come on now. Because he wants to film the shrews, get them on film, and getting an attack so they can have this, this, you know, this video will be worth millions of dollars. Do they make him wear the goat suit? No, they don't. All right. And they don't even tell him that he's there for bait, but he is. <laughs> Oh, come on now. And, and so the, the shrews... Leave have, Derek alone. <laughs> so the shrews kill Derek, yes. Oh. <laughs> but another That's one of... That's it. I like giant Gila monster better now. <laughs> <laughs> but then another uh, Sam, who is uh, one of the other helpers, is also surrounded by the shrews, but he jumps into a ankle-deep stream, and the shrews will not touch him. They find out that the shrews are afraid of water, even ankle deep. Huh. 
So they use that piece of knowledge to help them escape the island at the end. Jerry, again, is stranded on the island with the shrews. He's got the control back of them, I guess, at the end of the film, because it, during the credits, it does say that the killer shrews will return. Really? Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I'm watching the film. And normally, if I'm watching a film like this, it's a sequel. Sometimes I'll watch the original right before, and sometimes I won't. A lot of times I don't because I don't want to really have the continuity errors jump out at me. But since I was doing this for the show, I watched them both pretty close to each other. Uh-huh. So, you know, the beginning of it, they come to the island in the, in the James Best, you know, Thorne brings his boat up. And now there's this beautiful boat dock. Cement sure. with, like, who built this boat dock <laughs> on this island? And then when you actually get to the little adobe house that they're all stay that they're staying in again, they get trapped in the privacy fence outside. It is only about two thirds the height that it was in the first movie. I don't know if the wood shrunk or what was going on, but the bar is still there. (laughs) They all go in there and they start drinking again. And one of the women in the film actually finds Anne's dress that she wore and puts it on. So she wears Anne's dress for a while. Does that get Thorn going? No, it does not get Thorn. Uh, no. But then she gets... Because well, ki- at the beginning, Thorn and, and one of the girls, they exchange a kiss. Yes. Which was weird. Which but, is very weird. Yeah. But then the, you know, the shrews, you know, start, like I said, picking them off one by one in the, in the remake or the sequel as well. So she does get taken out while wearing the dress. But she's, she's got the dress on, but then she's got her own clothes over it. You can see part of the... Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> One bit of dialogue uh, that I did want to mention. Uh, We did say, of course, James Best was in it uh, in the remake as well. Roscoe, Mm -hmm. John Schneider, who was one of the Duke boys. And then uh, we've got Rick Hurst, who played Enos later on. Now, he's also called Rook in this film. He's the one earlier that I was talking about that Thorne calls Rook because he cared for his original Rook. So he's calling this guy Rook as well. There's a scene with the three of them, just the three of them at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) and uh johnny reno john schneider's character asked thorne what's he done with his life since they'd been there in the 50s and he said well for a while i was a small time sheriff in georgia where i would uh, chase after moonshiners all the time (laughs) and johnny reno looks gets this look on his face i'm from georgia too grew up in this small town i got chased a lot too but i let the girls catch me and then he kind of looks over at Rick Hurst, Harold Rook's character, and gets this look of acknowledgement as well. And then the kind of the scene ends. So that was their little Dukes of Hazard moment in the remake. Should I go back and watch the movie for that moment? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should go back to watch the film for the soundtrack. Oh, yeah? And, and I'm serious. The one thing that I really like about this film is the music. Now, we said earlier that the the new film doesn't have much, or the, excuse me, the original film didn't have much in the way of music. Right. The second film, Return of the Killer Shrews, there's a group uh, called the Bamboo Trading Company that plays in the style, this beach music in the style of the Beach Boys. And that's what the soundtrack is. And I really dug their music, especially the song over the end credits. What's the name of the song, Scott? Shrewd Awakening. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it on youtube shrewd awakening oh you guys sent it to me yes <laughs> you guys sent me the link in youtube yeah it's interspersed with cuts from the film so 
if you want to see how bad this film is and get a taste of it, go watch that. Don't watch. It's pretty rough. Yeah. It's Don't watch rough. the film. Yeah. It was co-written by James Best. Did you see that? Yes. He co-wrote the movie. Yep. His name was on the, you know, during the credits very prominently as one of the co-writers. Yeah. Well, I think I'd go back to watch The Killer Shrews again. I actually really enjoyed The Killer Shrews quite a bit for what it is. I don't know if I needed a sequel. <laughs> I didn't need the sequel to the original film is the one that you need that you need to see. It's it's quite good. I mean, it's obviously low budget. You're sure. going, you're going to see not very special special effects, but the story is good. It really is. It does have that Night of the Living Dead vibe to it. And you've got the scientists doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I mean, they're basically breeding these animals for some reason to fight overpopulation of the planet. And I didn't quite see how these shrews were going to help unless they were going to release them on the world and kill people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe they are mad scientists. Maybe that's, yeah, the reason they were doing this seemed to elude me. And what's 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 even worse, <laughs> I don't know. See, now I watched this film um, off of archive.org because it is in the public domain. I okay. understand that you got a screener to watch it. The opening narration, what did what did you get? Did you get the full story of the tiny shrew with the voiceover? That was cut yes. from the version that I yeah. watched, and it's cut from it's cut from a lot of ones. It just starts off where oh, it's, really? you hear in Alaska, and then uh, invading steadily southward. There were reports of a new species, the giant killer shrew. So it just cuts the very end of it off. No, if I remember right, I got a little bit of a yeah. The the know, wildest and most vicious of animals is the tiny shrew. The shrew feeds by the dark of the moon. He must eat his own body weight every few hours or starve. Yeah, why would they cut that, I wonder? It makes no sense, at least especially coming from Alaska. Weren't they inventing them on this little island off of Texas? <laughs> okay. I think you might be a little more concerned about what <laughs> makes sense than the filmmakers were. True. Plus, I don't think, you know, shrews, evil shrews come from Alaska. That just, I don't know too many people from Alaska, but everyone I've met have just been charming. No, no shrews at all. You've met my wife, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she's the only one that I've met from Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, you know, I don't know. I, I really liked The Killer Shrews quite a bit. I think it was a lot of fun. I mean, it definitely had a drive-in vibe. I'd love to see this in a drive-in oh, setting. yeah. That'd be a blast. And, you know, I loved the music. It's got this evocative of late 50s, early 60s stock music feel. And I really enjoyed that as well. I respond well to that. I dug it quite a bit. I thought The Killer Shrews was a lot of fun. This was a first time viewing for me, and I think I'm going to go back and rewatch it. And I would recommend people get it. You know, it's real cheap right now $6.50. Come on. It's a nice copy of the movie. It doesn't look washed out like a lot of these public domain movies can sometimes look. Is there any extras or anything on it? No. I love special features. I adore special features, uh, especially on classic films. I love to see people go back and create documentaries or retrospectives or something. Commentary track, give me something. This one's got nothing, which is unfortunate. Which is kind of surprising when you take into consideration the new film. They got at least James Best together. I would love to hear his recollections and memories and stories of making the first film. I think that would be fascinating. That would be a great commentary. 
I wonder if there's anything on the Return of the Killer Shrews DVD, special features-wise, that refers to it or talks about it. I don't know. There's a making of video, a trailer, uh, and it looks like they're, uh, they included a copy of the Killer Shrews as a special feature on with the Return of the Killer Shrews DVD. So. Huh. That's cool. I think I just found what I'm going to get you for Christmas, Scott. Hey, you can, <laughs> you can get the combo deal, get the DVD and the new poster signed by James Best for 20 bucks. <laughs> this definitely had a sci-fi channel vibe. I don't know if it ever aired on the Sci-Fi Channel, though. Yeah, I didn't get the Sci-Fi Channel vibe. I didn't. It wasn't quite that good. <laughs> oh, oh wow! But then again, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched the the sequel, just because it was so bad. And, and that's the Dayquil talking. Yeah, must must be. But like again, <laughs> like I said earlier, I do enjoy watching a bad movie and laughing at it. I mean. Tracy was in the room watching me, and she's like, I can't believe you're watching this. But then I was just, I was rolling on the floor laughing. So, well, at least it's got Scott's seal of approval, <laughs> I guess. I, I, I can't sign off on it, but if Scott liked it, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I loved watching it. I would not recommend anybody watch it at all. <laughs> I do recommend The Killer Shrews. Oh, so very really highly recommend it. I also recommend if you can, uh, if you like Mystery Science Theater 3000, check out their version. It was released as a part of uh, Volume 7 from uh, Rhino, but Rhino's stuff has gone out of print now that Shout Factory does MST3K. So it might be hard to find, but it's worth the search to find it. It's it's fun. And, yeah. and like Derek said earlier, they do kind of make fun a lot of the accents in the film we could talk about the accents we could talk about the room and the furniture but fully sucked bar we could talk about how the dogs look you know there's a lot in here that is a little laughable but i think there's also still a lot of enjoyable moments to the film i love the end of the killer shrews i thought the end was inspired oh it was great and it's super suspenseful and it's really good for a little low budget movie it really kind of rose above itself to create this very suspenseful ending for me it would have been a little bit better if miss sweden didn't complain about how tired she was all the time through it <laughs> but i did really like the end i thought it was very good there's that i mean i'm glad i got it i probably would pay a full price for it if it wasn't sent to me by film chess media group Big thanks to Film Chess Media Group for sending that my way and keeping me posted on that. You can find them over at filmchessmediagroup.com. Of course, like I said, you can buy The Killer Shrews on Amazon for $6.49. I don't know if I'm going to buy The Return of The Killer Shrews, but I, I wouldn't mind having a good copy of, of The Killer Shrews. I enjoyed this copy. I thought it was a, a well-done remastering. So, Any final thoughts about The Killer Shrews, Scott? Anything we miss? Like I said, love the film, love the ending, inspired, and even though they didn't really mean to set up for a sequel, they, there is a sequel. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. There's a sequel. <laughs> and there's supposed to be a third one. So this might be a trilogy. So, Oh boy. Do you think that'll really happen? Nah, I don't know. Or are they going to buckaroo bonsai this thing where they say there's another one coming and they never do it? There is a scene at the very end of the film where they're sailing away and James best thorns character. Thorn says something along the lines you know, he's asked if he'll ever come back to the island, and he says, maybe again in 50 years. So, <laughs> Is that how much time passed? <laughs> yes. I guess at least that much time has passed. This is from 1959. So. Yep. So he says, maybe in another 50 years. So, Well, let's all hope that James Best is still around in another 50 years. 
if he's so a, if he can he's go a, back to Shrew Island, if he's around in fifty years, I will watch the third Shrews movie just to see that. <laughs> what am I kidding? I'll um, probably watch it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you really will. You will. Well, Scott, we're going to have you back on the show uh, in well later this month, actually. <gasps> no, Lupita. <laughs> <laughs> We started a tradition last year. Is it a tradition if we've only done it once? I'm saying it's a tradition now. We started a tradition last year. For Christmas, we talked about, well, a Christmas movie with Scott. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And we're doing it again this year. Do you want to tell people what we're doing? You already gave it away, kind of. Santa Claus. Uh Uh-huh. That's what it's called. (laughs) So last Christmas, I'm opening up my Christmas presents and... I got this DVD from Scott, and it's a Blu-ray of Santa Claus. And it sat on my shelf unwatched for almost a year now because I knew we were going to do this this year. I can't wait to dive into it. Santa Claus versus the devil. Well, come on. (laughs) And a no-holds-barred grudge match. (laughs) False count anywhere. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. I, I honestly cannot wait to talk to you about Santa's workshop, Santa's reindeer, and pitch. Is that good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen it. I can't wait. So that's coming up uh, here on Monster Kid Radio sometime in December. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure exactly which week in December. Probably pretty darn close to Christmas. If not the week of Christmas, we'll do it. What's coming up on Disney Indiana? Well, before we get to that, real quick, when is this episode going to go out? Is it going to go out this week, upcoming yep. week? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're listening to this episode on Thursday morning, when the if part two comes out on Thursday morning, Thursday, December 4th, at uh, theaters uh, nationwide, Rift Tracks will be doing Santa Claus. So if you want to get a taste of it before you hear Derek and I's thoughts on it and need a little help from riff tracks uh, look for uh that your local theater that's in the evening this will be going out on the morning of the fourth so you have time to go look it up and uh, through the magic of editing i will have gone back in and added something about that to the beginning of the anyway whatever because you are such an awesome editor yeah listen listen to me and my skillful stuff (laughs) (laughs) what just happened happened? that was that was a skillful something (laughs) yeah But you asked what was coming up on Disney Indiana. I did. Yes, you did. We are going to uh, continue our coverage of uh, the Disney Infinity video game. Um, Right now, I've been playing quite a bit of the Spider-Man playset. So I've been playing as Spider-Man, as um, Venom, and Nova, which is a character I was not familiar with. So it's been fun learning a little bit more about Spider-Man. So we'll be talking, given our review of that. And uh, we'll finish up our 2014 monthly segment of unbuilt Disney attractions, films, whatever, in our uh, idea bag segment for uh, 2014. And we'll be announcing what we'll be doing in 2015 as a monthly segment. That's all coming up. And if you can't get enough of Scott and me, by the time these episodes have dropped, the latest episode of 1951 Down Place will have come out, where we talked about Scott's birthday pick, Quatermass in the Pit. Yes. So. That will have come out as well over at 1951downplace.com. So if you can't get enough of my voice, seek <laughs> medical attention immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, this was a treat, man. Killer shrews. Good time. 
I'm glad uh, you brought this to my plate because I don't know if I would have taken the time to watch the straight version, and I'm glad I did. I think it's an easy watch. It doesn't take a lot to really kind of get into it and enjoy it for what it is. You don't have to work very hard to kind of put yourself in the mindset of what it is. It's kind of timeless. There's not a lot in here that, with the exception of maybe like cell phone technology, there's not a lot in here that makes it feel overly dated outside of, you know, it's black and white or whatever. So, Well, now that we've talked about this film, Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the giant Gila monster, just uh-huh. their original films. No, nothing about sequels <laughs> or remakes or anything since they were made by the same group. Which do you like better? Oh, boy. You know, it's hard to say. I, I've been thinking about this the entire time. We've been talking about it when we were watching the Killer Shrews. When I was looking at that, I was trying to decide. I think giant Gila monster is more fun. But I think in terms of, a, of an engagement, the Killer Shrews has me. So I don't know. It's really kind of hard to say. I suppose it really, really depends on what kind of mood I'm in. For me, I will probably watch Giant Gila Monster before I'll watch Killer Shrews again. I do, there's something about Giant Gila Monster, it, the music, the cars. I like that story. I like the the relationship between the kid and the sheriff. Yeah, that's there's true. Just, there's just so much I like about that film. Killer Shrews, while it has some issues with some of the the effects... The story is really good, and James Best is awesome. Yeah, he is. Of the, the two films, it's second on my list. It's a close second, but I'll probably watch The Gila Monster again before I watch Killer Shrews. They've got two different vibes, so it's really hard. Which is really odd, because they were they were made real close to each other. Yeah. And the same group. And they are vastly different films in, in terms of story and vibe. They really are. Giant Healer Monster is a much bigger movie, too. I mean, it's a whole town, and Killer Shrews is more intimate. I, Even though there does seem to be a lot of people living on that island. Well, they really movie. do. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> I mean, you, you need to have, and, and I know you're a much bigger fan of the slasher genre than I am, but you need the body count. That's why you got the people there, I think. That's a good point. Killer Shrews does have a little bit of a body count thing going for it. It does have that. And it's even more so in the sequel. Yeah, I could have. Yeah. <laughs> well, they killed Derek, so I mean, it's all, I'm not watching it at all now. If I don't watch the movie, Derek will still live in my head. <laughs> He's just stuck wearing a stupid ass <laughs> coat suit. You, you you don't you don't think you'll ever throw that in just to see the rest of it? You know, I've got so many movies here. <laughs> I've got such a stack. Tell you what, if I'm ever flipping through channels and it turns up on TV, maybe I'll stop and watch. Or you know what? I'd watch it with you, Scott. Oh, that's a date. I'd do that. <laughs> I would definitely watch that with, with we get you and I and our wives all to watch it. That would just be Okay, that'll never happen. But <laughs> <laughs> Right on, Scott. I would be curious to see if your wife could make it past the um the point that you've stopped it already. <laughs> I'm saying she wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the over under on that's not very <laughs> But I bet I could get her to watch get her to watch the Killer Shrews. I think I could get her to watch the original. I mean, it's, it's skillful. There's some skill involved. So, and there's some good acting. So, there, there really is. Well, Scott, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me back, and looking forward to talk about Santa Claus here in the near future. I can't wait, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. I waited much too long between episodes. Having Scott back on the show is a lot of fun, and that's why he's coming back shortly to talk about that movie Santa Claus with us here 
on Monster Kid Radio. Like I said, it's not something that I've watched. He gave it to me as a Christmas gift last year, and it sat on my shelf ever since, unopened, because I figured we'd talk about it this year uh, for Christmas, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of Christmas, next week is the 2014 Monster Kid Radio Holiday Gift Guide Sneak Preview. This movie, The Killer Shrews, the DVD release from Film Chess Media Group, it's on the list. It's only $6.49. You can't go wrong, and it looks good. Now, Scott mentioned the song Shrewd Awakenings. It's from the Bamboo Trading Company. Go to killershrewsmovie.com slash bamboo-trading-company.html, or again, follow the link in the show notes. This is going to take you to the subsection of the website for the Return of the Killer Shrews that's about nothing but the band and the music. And yeah, that's where the YouTube video is that Scott and his wife Tracy sent me. It's... Uh, I don't know if it's like a highlight reel of the film. The music's cool, though. It's fun. Like I said, I wish I could play it here on the show, but they never got back to me. That doesn't mean you can't go enjoy it, though. And, you know, if you leave him a comment, tell him you heard about it on Monster Kid Radio. Why don't we go ahead and get to that voicemail that I promised? This is from Steve Sullivan. Again, he called us at 503-479-5MKR. Let's hear what Steve has to say. Hey, Derek. This is Steve Sullivan, author of Daikaiju Attack and the White Zombie novelization and about 50 other things. Just gone in because every week I say I'm gonna, and then I forget until there's another episode, and so I'm always behind. And this week I'm behind, but I'm still calling in because yay, Brent is on the podcast. Really missed hearing her. It was great hearing her voice. I hope we get to hear her again soon, though. I'm not so sure about this uni thing. Anyway, really loved it. Uh, Dracula Untold. I pretty much agree with you guys. It just just didn't quite hit any of the marks, and you know, it being the the foundation for the upcoming Universal Superhero Monster series. Well, I'm really leery about that, and part of me is thinking that pretty soon Van Helsing is going to start looking really good to us, because honestly, isn't that basically what he was, Summers was doing all that time ago? Now, in his defense, I did like the first of the Mummy movies, and the third one that he didn't do. The middle one was just kind of a hot mess, but on the other hand, you know, it could look like genius compared to what they seem to be planning. So we'll see. Uh, I'm skeptical. That's why I'm talking about doing uh, my own monster mashup as a novel, uh, which uh, you can go to CushingHorrors.com and check out the, how the plans are progressing on that. Uh, that's a, uh, a Patreon, and I haven't quite started it yet, but I'm accepting uh, accepting comments and, and criticisms and help to make it better. Anyway, I completely agree. The movie should have been spookier. It, I don't know. It's just they don't seem to get what, was special about the monsters, and I'm not uh, I'm not saying the vampires can't be sexy because you know Hello Barnabas Collins that really worked well, um, and Hammer's vampires were always really sexy both both the men and the women, and there's some of that in the original Dracula novel which I've been rereading too, so I'm not entirely against that, but they didn't they didn't quite hit it, and I don't think they even know how to hit it, which is oi. Like the Wolfman, it just didn't quite hit the mark. Uh, the Wolfman didn't hit it in a different way in that they took a, a, a dark, depressed character and made him a dark, depressed Wolfman, so there was no arc there. That was one of their basic problems. I'd rather have had them doing the new Universal series than this Dracula approach, though. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, I don't know how much time I have, so we'll see if I can get a few more things in. Uh, you mentioned Blood of the Vampire. My problem with that film is the title. There's no damn vampire in it. And as a kid, I hated that. And as an adult, I still hate that. That's why Brides of Dracula is never going to be in my top ten, because it's a great movie. 
It says Dracula in the title, and there's no Dracula. What are you doing? I can't believe that you had never seen Carnival of Souls before or House on Haunted Hill. What the hell? Uh, glad you've seen them now. They're both awesome. Uh, you guys talked about House of Wax being in 3D. I've seen that in 3D, but I saw it anaglyph, which is red-green. I don't think that's how they shot it. I think they shot it polarized the same way they shot Creature from the Black Lagoon. But basically... No one ever shows it that way, which is a shame because now we have this process and you could do it. I'd love to see Creature on the big screen again. I saw it a year and a half ago on the big screen, but it was still red-blue. And I don't think that's given the best effect anymore because if the red is off or the blue is off on either the print or the glasses, it doesn't work so well. And I have trouble with 3D anyway because I'm getting older and my eyes suck. Anyway, love the show. Really looking forward to listening to the first Creature cast. I haven't gotten to that. I'm also behind. I haven't heard The Killer Shrews, but that is one of my favorite cheap, cheesy movies. I love that film. It's really, really cool. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. Anyway, great hearing you. I love the show every week, even though every week I, it seems like I fall just far enough behind that I don't call in. This time I did, and Bren, you should know it's because of you. Anyway, have a great day. Looking forward to the upcoming shows. Take care. Talk to you soon. Okay, I did have to stitch two of the voicemails together. Google has a three-minute limit, and he almost got it in under the wire, but you know, I had to stitch it together. I hope the edit was pretty smooth, and I did you justice, Steve. So to comment on what you had to say, having Bren on the show was a lot of fun, and Really, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't something that was planned. It's not something that I had kind of scheduled on the calendar. She came in to fill in when we needed to make a couple of adjustments to the schedule. And, I mean, it was like she didn't miss a beat when it came to podcasting. She used to do Mail Order Zombie with me back in the day, and it was a lot of fun to just do the podcasting with her. I don't think it's going to be something that happens on a regular basis, but you guys and gals heard it. She did say she'd do the other Universal movies with me, the relaunch, which I'll talk about here in a second. As far as Unico goes, hey, that was a movie that she grew up with and she loved, so it's my show. I'll do what I want. We'll do an episode on Unico. If it means I can get Brenda back on the show, then why not? We'll, we'll plink to plink to plink our way to Unico. <laughs> so, Dracula Untold. Yeah, man, I really wanted more spooky. And I was thinking about it. We didn't use this phrase or this term when we were talking on the show about it, but it's less a horror movie and more an urban fantasy kind of thing. And that's no disrespect to urban fantasy. I mean, I read and write some of that myself, but, you know, urban fantasy does not belong on the horror shelf in the bookstore. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what this movie felt like. And it sounds like that's what's about to happen with the Universal relaunch the urban fantasy universal unite so to speak he commented on the wolfman remake that came out a couple of years ago with benicio del toro you know what is most striking about that movie to me is the film score it's a danny elfman score and it was really nice to hear a danny elfman score in a non-tim burton movie in that period of time because you know elfman and burton are kind of joined at the hip it's it's burton it's elfman and johnny depp they all kind of hang out together i wonder if something were to happen to one of them if the other two would kind of get lost. i don't know anyway danny elfman's music from the wolfman film it's underrated it's a gothic as hell I love it. It's great music. Something that I go back to repeatedly. Uh, the Blood of the Vampire movie, like you said, the vampire is not to be seen. That's one of the movies that I watched for the first time on Halloween. I like the movie overall. I just thought the title was misleading. I understand why the word vampire in a horror movie, you know, it's going to sell. I get it. But yeah, it was really kind of a stretch. And yes, yeah, Steve, I know you've got problems with the Brides of Dracula. We've talked about it on the B-movie cast and 1951 Down Place. I get it. I get it. 
<laughs> Carnival of Souls and House on Haunted Hill. I'm glad I finally got around to watching those two. Loved them. You know, I talked about this briefly on a previous episode of Monster Kid Radio, and I think I touched on it on 1951 Down Place as well. There are a ton of movies out there, monster movies that I had read about, seen things on, watched documentaries about, seen trailers, I you know, seen bits and pieces of that I just never sat down to watch from start to finish. And Carnival of Souls is one of those ones that I thought I had seen. No, I can't remember which one I thought I had seen. I went looking for my Mill Creek collection, which is where I thought I saw it before. And I'm sure, you know, there, it's in there. It's a public domain film. But it's one of those ones that I just assumed I had watched. I never did. I'm glad I did because, wow, that one was really Really good. It's actually one that I'm considering asking my wife to watch with me because I think Brenda would really enjoy it from an artistic point of view. It's just, man, if people haven't seen it, it's amazing. House of Wax is another amazing film. You know, I don't know how it was originally shot, what kind of 3D it was. We'd have to ask Dr. Gane Green, Larry Underwood. He's the Vincent Price expert. He would know that a lot better than I would. And, you know, speaking of Larry, just if I could tangent real quick, and I think I can because it's my show, make sure you're watching the fantastic films of Vincent Price. It's his YouTube series where he's going through every single Vincent Price film. And, yeah, he's made it all the way through the 40s. He's about to dive into the 50s where it gets really, really fun. So, Go check that out. And we're going to have him on the show. We're talking right now about having him on within the next week or two to talk about a Vincent Price Christmas project. Glad you dug the killer shrews, man. It's such a fun film. It's so good. So good. Underrated is another one of those ones. I'm glad I finally made time to watch. Such a great flick. You know, I took notes so that I could keep track of everything that Steve had to say. And he did mention a Patreon page that he's building for a project of his own that he may be launching himself, kind of a, a monster mashup type story as well. If you are a member of the Monster Kid Radio Facebook group, he's mentioned it there. The web address that he's using right now is CushingHorrors.com. Now, he's just looking for feedback and input. Go check it out. I think there's plenty of room for all of us monster kids to start maybe putting together our own monster mash type story because, well, really, do we really just want Universal to do the urban fantasy mashup for us? I, I don't think so. So anyway, Steve, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Again, 503-4795-MKR is where you can leave us a voicemail or email us. That's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. All right. I've rambled enough. I want to put this show to bed and get it out to you guys and gals. I appreciate everybody listening, all of your support, for liking us on Facebook, for sharing the links anytime something goes out. I just appreciate each and every one of you. Monster Kid Radio is a labor of love, and I love that you guys and gals seem to dig it as much as I do, if not more. So thank you so much. Come back next week. The next episode is the annual holiday gift guide here at Monster Kid Radio. Like I said, the Killer Shrews made the list. There's some other movies that made the list, some books and a few other things, so I can't wait to share that with you. And I've talked to Brenda, and she's agreed to lend her voice to part of it. You'll just have to come back to find out how. In the meantime, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Alaska. That belongs to the band Pirato Ketchup. It's from their album, The Speed Surfer EP. You can find them over at paratoketchup.bandcamp.com. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Talk to everybody next week. Mm-hmm.